bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensa Otterville. And now, today's word. I've been teaching from Luke chapter 15 and I've been talking on lost and found. We've talked about the lost sheep. We've talked about the lost coin. And today we are looking at the lost son. I'm going to deal with the lost son this week and next week because I, I couldn't do all of it in one week. It's a far more detailed than the other ones. And so although I said this was going to be a three-part message, it's going to end up being a four-part message. So we're talking about the lost son, and uh, we go to Luke chapter 15 from verses 11 to 14. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Um, this uh, gentleman is normally called the prodigal son, and the word prodigal simply means wasteful, uh, the son who wastes. Now, I want you to remember what prompted Jesus to talk about these three parables. Uh, Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the scribes came to him and said, Lord, we have a problem with you. You receive sinners and you eat with them. In other words, when they, when they come to you, you receive them. And when they invite you, you go to them. So uh, they had a problem with Jesus on that because the Pharisees were people who were uh, committed to separation of what they call holy from the unholy. And if they felt that you were not a holy person, they would not visit you. If you lived in those days, most of you would never have a visit from a Pharisee because they will look at you and say that even your smile is not holy your haircut is not holy your shoes are not holy uh, and, and so uh, they were very particular about the life of the people so they came to Jesus complaining and Jesus is now responding and in answering the question of why he receives sinners and why he goes to them he tells us the three parables, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and now the parable of the lost son. There is something very unique about this parable. Just I want you to note uh, before I go to talk about it. In the earlier parables, the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin, after they were found, after they were found, Jesus added a notation. After the parable, he would say, so there was great joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. He said it after the parable of the lost sheep. He said it after the parable of the lost coin. 
However, in this parable, Jesus did not use that phrase when he concluded the parable. He didn't say, uh, there is joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. And of course, when you look at the parable, it seems like the boy uh, who went out was a sinner. So why didn't Jesus say the same thing he said about the lost sheep and the lost coin? Uh, because Jesus is talking about two kinds of lost people. And the clue you will get is that he starts by talking about a father and his sons. So the first two uh, parables, the lost sheep and the lost coin, talked about sinners, unbelievers, people who are in the world. But this one talks about Christians who backslide. Christians who backslide. People who are with the Father, who know the Father, who know God, who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and turn back into the world. So this is what this parable is talking about. It's not talking about a new person uh, who comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord. It's talking about a person who already knows the Lord, knows the Father, is a son, is a daughter of the Father, but falls away into sin. So I want you to have that in mind as we look at this parable of the lost son. And the ladies, you are also included in the lost son. All right. So there are two main uh, aspects of this parable, uh, the going away and the return. And this week, I will just focus on the going away. What took the son away and how he ended up uh, when he went away. Next week, I'll talk about how he returned to the father. So let's look at the going away from the father. How did it start? How can a son who lives with a father go away? What went wrong? And the first thing you note that went wrong is that the son was self-centered. Self-centeredness. Remember when I was talking about the things that take people away from God, I talked about self-centeredness as one of them. This is a self-centered child. How do we know? He only saw what he could get from his father. He asked for what was his. Isn't it amazing that the, the wealth belonged to the father? The inheritance was for the father. But he says, Father, give me what is mine. He only saw what he could get from his father. And this is where he started going wrong. This is where everything started going wrong. He was fixated on himself. His language is similar to many in our generation today. Sometimes in the church, Christians... We want what is ours. We want it now. We say things, I want it now. I want to make it. I can't wait, wait any longer. And all that we're looking for is for something that God will give us now. Now, I believe God blesses us. And I believe that God is a good God. And I believe that God blesses his children. And I believe God prospers his children and heals his children. But if all your Christian life is based on what you can get from God, you are in danger of doing what this gentleman did. Because if all you do is, Lord, 
bless me. Lord, favor me. Lord, increase me. Lord, heal me. Lord, prosper me. If that is all your Christian life, then you are in danger. Because that's what this gentleman is doing. He's only looking not to serve the father, but to take what the father has for himself. Sometimes I feel that Christianity, especially, I can't speak for other countries, but especially in our country, has become like that. All our prayers is for Lord bless me. Lord bless me. Lord increase me. Lord destroy my enemies. Everything, me, my, me, my, me, my, me, my. Every time we go before the Lord, we are asking for something for ourselves. Is that how our Christian life is? Is that how your Christian life is? Every time you start praying, you're talking about yourself and what you want from God. And, and yes, God wants you to have it. The interesting thing about this father is that he didn't reject giving the son's portion to him. He didn't say, no, I'll not give it to you. He says, if that's what you want, that's all the relationship you're going to have with me is to have my inheritance, have things, but never have me. Because sometimes we have things that God gives us, but we never have him. And that's the trouble with this man. It's self-centeredness, self-conceit. And as much as God wants us to have things, our Christian life should not be about things. As much as God wants to prosper you, your Christian life must not be about prosperity. As much as God wants you to be the head and not the tail, your Christian life should not always be, Lord, I want to be the head. Lord, promote me. Lord, increase me. Yes, he wants you to have it. But our Christian life goes beyond that. So the first problem we have with this guy is he wants something for himself. He hasn't, wants nothing to do with the father. You know, a, a lot of Christians, if you will give them miracles without God, they will take miracles without God. If you put breakthrough and God on the table, they will pick breakthrough and leave God. Because we are so fixated on the gift and not the giver of the gift. If our Christian life starts on that premise, we are going to get into prodigal living. So that's why we see this guy, self-centeredness, that's the problem. Give me, give me, give me. Then from there, from self-centeredness, comes the next step, separation. Separation. The passage says he journeyed to a far country. He separated from the Father. He received from him, but separated from him. Received from God, but turned away from God. It's amazing where a lot of us have taken our Christianity. We'll go for prayer meeting, we'll go for all night meeting. Not because we love God. For all of you who go for prayer meetings and pray very long, have you ever considered why you're doing it? Is it really because you want to be in the presence of God? Or you want something from Him? 
And the moment this gentleman got what he wanted, he separated from his father. I mean, you would have thought that he would say, okay, father, give me what, what is mine. He gets what is mine, stays with the father and starts using the father's gifts next door to grow. So you see that the real reason why he wanted something for himself was he hated to be in the presence of the father. He didn't want his father. He didn't want to be accountable. He didn't want his father's correction. He didn't want his father's direction. He didn't want his father to say, don't do that. All he wanted is, bless me and I don't want you again. And there are many Christians. Bless me, but I don't want you to interfere in my life. He journeyed far away from his father. Usually, this is the first step that many people take when they turn away from God. They separate themselves. They disconnect. Sometimes they stop coming to church. When they're broke, they are in church. They're in a meeting. They're praying. Every prayer meeting. The day so-called breakthrough comes. Now they have a lot of excuse not to be in church. You see the separation happening. And the separation is happening because their heart was not for God in the first place. Their heart was for themselves. Once they get what they want, God is out of the picture. Sometimes people do that. They stop going to church. Sometimes they go to another church where no one knows them. Because now they can sin freely because they, nobody knows them. Take a girlfriend and go to another church. Sometimes they will say, well, you know, I don't want to go to church again. You know, it's all crowded. I just want something private. And I've, I've seen a lot of rich people. They hire private prophets, private pastors. Come and do a Bible study in my house. Come, you know, all I want is just love God. I don't want to go to church. And so they have this man of God so-called that they can control. Who can see the right vision for them. Who never sees anything wrong about them. He tells them it will be well. It will be well. You will prosper. Your enemies will be defeated. Aren't you suspicious that this hired prophet is working for wages? Aren't you suspicious that those prophecies have all been engineered for salary? You've hired him. What do you want him to say? That you are wrong? You have that young boy come and every vision he sees is good for you. And they are the ones who see all your enemies. Because they know you are a paranoid person. Your head is not correct. <laughs> so they are twisting your head. Separation. And that's what's happened to our young friend here. Sometimes people who are separating from God act like now they have a deeper understanding of scripture. They become cynical. They question everything about God, everything about the Bible. 
They talk down on all pastors. They don't believe any pastor again. They talk down on all Christians. They say Christians are all hypocrites. They talk down on all churches. You know what they are doing? They just want to be alone. It has nothing to do with spirituality. Because true spirituality will connect you to God, to his word, and to his people. If you think you know so much and you're so spiritually deep and you're disconnected from God and his people and his house, check your spirituality. You are separating. You're giving yourself excuses. And I'm sure this guy was saying the same thing. My father's house is boring. You know, my father is overbearing. He wants to control my destiny. <laughs> the kinds of, we know one can control my destiny. So he's out. There is separation. And I hope you're not there. And from separation comes the next step. Spending or squandering. He used up all that his father gave him. He left home rich. The father had invested so much into him. He started using what the father had given to him without replenishing what he was spending. It's like the Christian who attends church, you know. You start, you start from children's church, you learn so much. You start from youth church, you learn so much. And you sit in church and hear all the sermons. So you are so full. And then one day you say, you know, I'll just stay at home. I believe that I can worship God in my own heart. You're going to squander everything you have learned over the last 30 years of your life. And yes, you can quote scripture and you can do all the things that you can do based on what has been invested into you? That's where this guy is. The first part of spending is very exciting. That's when you can afford to spend. It's the fun phase of spending. Prodigal living can be very exciting at phase one. When you start sinning, Oh, prodigal living is very fun. Got a good boyfriend? It's going to be fun. Good girlfriend? It's going to be fun. You started doing drugs? It's going to be fun. Started drinking? Going to be fun. Spending stage. And everything seems, this is the good life. This is what my father has been denying me. These days a lot of Christians raised in the church, raised in the house of God. Learned so much from God. Somehow feel that they have to start drinking. So they go and now they are learning wine tasting. Delicate wine. This is from France. This is from that. And this was cultivated from grape on a mountain. And this is from that. And this is from that. And now they're smoking cigars. And they're blowing. And, and you look at them, you just feel like, wow, they have arrived. But all they're doing is they're spending. And when you're spending, and you're, you're spending, you have people to spend with you. 
Phrase one seems fun. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebil, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebil. Email otebil at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.